Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 329. My guest on this episode of the back of the range is Tyson Shelley from Salt Lake City, Utah. Tyson plays his college golf at BYU and had himself one of the breakout summers of the year. After capturing the title at the Pacific Coast Amateur, he Monday qualified into his hometown Corn Ferry Tour event in Utah and would eventually tie for 12th place, which got him another Corn Ferry Tour start the following week in Omaha, Nebraska. Not a bad way to spend the summer, capturing a win in an elite amateur golf series tournament and then hanging with the pros for a couple weeks. We spoke about his start in the game, what drew him to BYU, and what his plans are for next year, which may surprise some of you. Tyson is currently down here in South Florida competing in the South Beach Invitational, and then after the new year, he will be teeing it up with the best in the country at the Jones Cup. So I'm looking forward to seeing him at Sea Island. Let's jump into this episode right away. Tyson, you're at the back of the range. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. Uh, we're, we're here at the end of the year. Um, Christmas is on the way. Holidays rapidly approaching. And uh, yeah, you're out in Salt Lake City. I, you know, I'm not going to feel too bad because I know where you're heading next to play golf. But let's get a little weather update. I'm in South Florida, 60, 65, a little bit gloomy. Talk to me about Salt Lake City right now. Yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty warm, actually, for being December. Normally, it's there's tons of snow on the ground and you know it's almost a whiteout but right now it's pretty sunny which is which is really nice not not as much snow but yeah and i'm guessing it's got to be in the 30s or 40s or something yeah like it's yeah. it's cold for sure it's yeah. it's in the 30s yeah you sold it really well right there but i noticed that you left the temperature <laughs> you left that part out yeah. of the description i mean it, it, it it is sunny, but it's cold still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you know, we're, we can we can dress this up as much as possible, but bottom line is uh, we're, we're not we're not rolling out in shorts and sandals. It's uh, it's proper cold weather. Well, you are coming down to my neck of the woods. You're going to be playing in the South Beach International down in Miami uh, pretty soon, and then also um, you'll be right back after the holidays playing in your first Jones Cup Invitational. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that Pack Coast win did not hurt in getting some of these invites. No, it did not. It really, really helped me in getting the invites for sure. It's nice when these tournaments are recognizing uh, uh, champions, uh, ones that have won big tournaments. Uh, you know, Obviously, Pack Coast is an elite amateur golf series event, so uh, nice that you're able to parlay that win into uh, checking out two tournaments you never played before. So, We'll definitely talk about your your run at the Pack Coast. Um, yeah, that final round probably. Oh man, I'd have to do some extra research, but probably the best final round of the summer in amateur golf. Um, I gotta think it is. Sixty two gets everyone everyone's attention. So we'll get to that in a minute. But let's talk a little bit about Salt Lake City getting your start in the game. Me in South Florida, obviously, weather's pretty nice. You can get out and hit some balls just about any time. But you got to kind of pick and choose a little bit in Salt Lake City. So uh, what? how do you get into golf when there's just so many other, uh, shall we say, winter sports or inside uh, activities to uh, take advantage of? It's kind of funny because I actually started out 
like on a unique golf career. So I started golf totally different. And I was a big basketball player, big baseball player growing up. And I always played up a division in my basketball, um, on my basketball team. So in the summer one time, I mean, one year, uh, my eighth grade year, I believe, all my teammates went to high school. They started practicing with their high school team, and I had nothing to do in the summer, <laughs> like absolutely nothing. So my mom was like, we need to get you out of the house. We got to find something for you to do. So there's a golf course, of just a public golf course, like probably a mile and a half away from my house, and there was a camp going on that week or one of the weeks in the summer. And she was like, okay, we're signing you and your brothers up for this camp. And I was like, no, like you don't need to do this. Like, I'm just going to go hang out with my friends, my buddies. And she's like, no, you're going to do this. There you go. So I was like, okay. So I went and did that. I ended up really, really liking it. Like enjoyed it because it had, it was every Tuesday for the whole summer. And you just got to play nine holes with your buddies. And then at the very end, there was a tournament. And at the end of the summer, I played in a tournament and I showed up in just basketball shorts, you know, little KD hat, yes, t-shirt, and everyone was just dressed up, you know, in proper golf attire. Right. And I had five clubs in my bag and I'm just like, what am I doing here? I do not belong at a golf tournament. Right. And I ended up shooting an 88, which I thought was very, like, really, really good. Yeah. And... I was really happy for myself and my dad, I came home to my dad and I was like, Hey, I shot an 88. He goes, no way you shot an 88 because he knows how hard golf is. Right, how right. Hard, you know? So he's like, no way you shot an 88. And I'm like, no, I shot an 88. And he goes, okay, if you, we're going to have to you another tournament. I'll be your caddy. If you shoot break 90, I'll buy you a whole new set of clubs, titles, clubs, whatever you want. I was like, okay, deal. So we entered another tournament and I ended up shooting another 88 and Got a whole new set, and that's basically what started my whole entire like golfing career. Okay, so if I'm going to unpack this correctly, it starts with mom saying, let's get this kid and his brothers out of the house. Let's get him doing something constructive, and then dangling the carrot of new sticks from your dad that sets you off on this journey. Yep, exactly. And, and did you even... Now, okay, so this is opening up a whole lot of questions for me. First of all, do you even know really the rules of golf at that point? Because I know that's something that kids, you know, when they start, you know, they're, they're concerned about, you know, getting the ball in the hole and, and hitting driver and, and, you know, clearing the, the water for the first time, but you don't know anything about taking a, the correct drop or, uh, you know, order of, of play, things like that. So did this camp teach you all those things? Uh, it actually did not teach me a lot of those things. So when I, I just like, basically I knew it was like, okay, get the ball in the hole. You can't like basically like touch your ball right. at any point, obviously the basic stuff, but I didn't know like the rule, like the big rules of golf, you know? Right. So like the pace of play stuff, all right. that stuff. So like I had to learn that kind of later in the golf when I was playing more of the U S kid tour um, events, right. and all those different events. So I didn't learn that at the beginning of this camp at all. All right, so Tyson, really, is this 88 authentic? I mean, you and me, just you and me talking seriously. Is it, is it really authentic, or is there a couple? I'm just messing with you. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just messing with it. No. So now, does your dad still offer these deals? Because I can break 90, and I need some new sticks. Is that still up for, or is that, or is that just a family thing? Uh, I mean, you might have to ask him. He might be able to He might give that deal to you as well. All right, I love it. All right, I'm going to hold you to that. So your parents, 
Dad is, uh, you know, we do a little, we do a little digging here at the back of the range, not just on on the our guests, but you know, the family background. So I love this. So Dad is a Hall of Fame, Utah State Hall of Fame basketball official, and that is okay. So again, talking about, you know, oh, what'd you shoot? Uh, come on, you didn't really shoot eighty eight. Uh, Dad, I would imagine, is got to be someone that goes by the rules uh, pretty much well all the time. So, obviously, he has sports background. He got you into the game, or at least you know helped uh, you know get you started. Um, did your dad ever ref any of your basketball games? He did not ref any of my basketball games, but he was my co- coach growing up. Okay, he was around the game like basically all my life. He, I mean, he refed for. I want to say like 22 years in yeah. division one. Wow. And, and then he, during the lockout, he went to uh, ref the NBA during the lockout period. Oh, really? Your dad so, ref to the NBA. Yeah. For a little time period during that lockout time era. So he got that experience and he like, he's been around the game so much. So he, on, he just was my coach growing up and I learned basically everything I know about basketball from him. I'm guessing. Um, so, please tell me your dad had an opportunity to referee some Golden State uh, Warrior games because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there's a guy on that team, Draymond Green. He just really doesn't like to play all the entire game. He likes to play for a few minutes, then get and then just take the rest of the game off. Yeah, I mean he he did retire in 2008. Okay, from, from refereeing. So, I mean he probably had an opportunity to ref the Golden State Warriors, but probably. Okay. Yeah. Probably not with Draymond Green. All right. I don't know when Draymond Green was on the team. But. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting, I, when you said lockout, I was thinking of the lockdown with COVID. That's what I was thinking of. So, oh. um, but yeah, uh, wow. That's gotta be, that's gotta be some stories there. Um, so you got, you got your, 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 progressing in the junior ranks, um, you know, much like any division one, uh, college golfer, you start looking at what they did in uh, in junior golf, and yeah, it looks like basically it was you owned the state of Utah during your junior golf career. I mean, high school individual state champion, you know, Utah Junior Golf Association Player of the Year, and first team all states, and just it's just racking up. So your growth and your progression was was pretty rapid. Did you when did you start getting actually properly coached? Um. So I was actually fortunate enough to get a – I mean, Boyd Summerhays is my coach now. That guy? And, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I'm lucky, huh? That guy. Oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, so he's my coach now, and I was actually uh, – I was lucky enough to get into him when I would – I, I want to say after my first year of golf. So during my second year of golf, I was lucky enough to work with him, and then he's been my coach ever since. Yeah, clearly, clearly working. Um, what would what have you seen has been like the quickest progression in your game in in junior golf? I mean, is it just getting size and getting stronger and hitting it further, or uh, do you kind of feel like there's one part of your game that really blossomed quickly? Um, I would say the biggest thing that probably blossomed. I mean, obviously, I've like gotten stronger. I've sure. uh, grown so. The distance is there now, but also I was when I was first starting the game. I it was like I couldn't keep the ball on the map, uh-huh. you know. So I feel like the biggest 
blossom in my game has been my driving of the ball. And, um, yeah, it's just been – I've been driving the ball pretty well uh, now when I didn't back then. So getting that accuracy, and I guess as you're growing and getting stronger and going through growth spurts, you know, that's that's a challenge to, to find consistency. So so finding that consistency is kind of what you're saying is kind of – was the biggest change. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. So you, you were – you go to BYU, you get recruited there, recruited obviously to other schools in the area because of what you accomplished in junior golf – um, it was, was BYU always the target or was there something about going there that kind of drew you in? Cause again, you, you probably had your choice of, of at least a handful of schools. Uh, what, what stood out with, uh, with BYU? Yeah. Um, so I actually, BYU is not, was not really in the picture at first when I first started looking at schools. Um, because I was, honestly a big university of utah fan and byu is their you know their rivals sure so i wasn't really thinking about coming to byu i always wanted to go to the university of utah and i wanted to stay in state um kind of close to fam- like my home and my family um and then byu kind of reached out to me and i was like okay I'll, I'll just at least take a visit there sure and when i was on a visit it just i felt just like all the love and support from that school um kind of like they're giving me love. They're giving me all the support saying all these nice, really good things. And the program was really good at that time because they had Peter quest, you know, they yeah. had, and so they had really, really good players in their a top program in the country. So I was looking at that and I was like, okay, maybe this is actually a school that I would want to go to. And I'd want to try and build my career here. And I kind of thought more into that. And I made this, chart of all the schools of where i wanted to go to like a pros and cons chart and for me byu was the school that fit that category the best okay very very uh important point i'm really glad you brought that up because again as i've always said here at the podcast a lot of parents listen a lot of juniors listen and this is kind of that time where uh, you know they're, they're trying to figure out okay where do i go and sometimes it's like well this coach i like this coach i don't um or, or that campus is pretty, or uh, this practice facility, and it doesn't seem like it, you know, it could just be one thing that triggers, okay, I'm going to go here. But you took the time to, to put a list together without specifically mentioning which school had the con or which school had the pro, because I don't think that's ultimately important because we know that you went to BYU, or we know that you're at BYU, sorry. Can you maybe talk about like, what are some of the cons that you found on your visits? What are some of the pros that you found on your visits? And the reason I'm asking is to hopefully spark this with parents and juniors of like, okay, I never even thought of that. I need to actually look at that. Yeah. I would say so some of like the cons that I saw were, I just was like really aware of how the team engages with each other or okay. like there, there are different things that I would look at. I think I feel like a lot of different schools had uh I would say like they weren't really cons it was just like what program did it better you know Okay fair So like for I mean yeah so some schools would not have things that I wanted and some schools would have things that I wanted but also some sc- they would one school would have the thing but the other school would do it better if that makes sense Yeah so so what are some of the things that were important to you um, in this process, I would, say, I would say 
obviously coaches like i feel like the biggest thing is like you gotta you gotta feel like your support the support and the love from the coaches Mm -hmm. um team team engagement i really i really like the team engagement part of things and then like practice facility um those are like the biggest three things i looked at because obviously school is gonna be hard for every i mean college is hard yeah so school's gonna be tough and then um so it's basically just like oh you want to see how coaches are see how you like them and then practice facility because that's where you're going to be basically every day and then how your team engages with each other one of the things i wanted to ask you about playing at byu is something that i've seen uh at the national championship which is uh, you know it's kind of a unique situation i'm not sure if everyone kind of knows this but at the national championship uh, which you've done the last you've been in the lineup for the last two years the national championship runs on a kind of a you know, there's the practice round, then there's four days of stroke play, and then there's two days of match play. So it's it's a long, long week. And obviously, something is going to fall on a Sunday. And BYU athletics don't compete on Sundays due to, uh, you know, religious, uh, uh, you know, d- due to just the way the university is set up. And that Sunday is actually a practice round day. But BYU plays their third round i believe so the 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 morning everyone will go play a practice round then they will shut down the golf course and the the at least how i've seen it at grayhawk they they set it up with the third round pin positions and you would go out and just play basically byu would play their third round which would be on the books waiting for whenever um you know the rest of the the tournament caught up so to speak so that's probably one of the more unique things I think I've, I've seen in college golf. Can you talk about that? What what it's like for your team to go in to, I guess, kind of like an empty golf course, but you have to play a competitive round at the national championship. Yeah. I mean, we were just grateful that we were able to even play because obviously, like you said, BYU doesn't do uh, competition days on Sundays. So we were just grateful for the opportunity that the NCAA let us play on Thursday. Right. But yeah, it's it's a whole new different it's a whole new different monster because we're playing by ourselves. We don't get the opportunity to look at other competitors' shots either. So right. we're we're just free balling it and it's it's different because you have one uh walker with you, one score or one marker. Right. With, so that you can like talk to or they're just there. But then you yeah, you just play by yourself, you're on your own pace, nobody's out there on the course um it's it's kind of unique you look left you see a teammate you look right you see just your, your teammates so it's it's pretty cool it's actually a really unique experience for sure. now, now i i will tell you just because i'm not sure if you're aware of this but uh you know in the media center there are a cast of characters where on that day it's happened in the last two years someone comes up and i'm not saying it's me because i would never come up with a terrible terrible joke like this but um, it has happened from from in the media center. We're like, yeah, I told you, BYU is going to be leading after the first day. I told you, and um, and then also someone's like, man, I just did not see this out of BYU being dead last after day one. Just, I mean, didn't see it. And then someone else will chirp up and say, well, 
I knew they wouldn't be in the middle of the pack. I knew they'd, they'd either be leading after the first day or at you know at the bottom. I, and obviously, this is just a terrible joke, but because it's just you know you guys are the only one playing that day. But I will tell you, there are some idiots, and I'm one of them, in the media center that are making those <laughs> stupid jokes every single year. You guys are in the national championship, and that's what keeps us entertained um, on on the day before the national championship. So, in case you've ever walked past a media center thinking that the the most brilliant minds and mature people in college no that's not the case we're just a bunch of idiots in there love it love that yeah so that's uh you know that that's what happens in the media center and national championship after a very long college year but um what now we're moving uh we're gonna move the national championship and i will say mercifully um i don't mind saying that uh we're gonna go to california so i'm guessing not too heartbroken to see the fact that uh, that that the national championship is going to see a different venue and not go back to the desert. Yeah, I actually am really happy that <laughs> we are moved and used for that because you you know it gets hot there. It gets hot. It's terrible, there. man. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like now actually you um, we talked about this earlier because I wanted to make sure I I understood this. So you are you're going to continue your academics at BYU. But you're taking a redshirt year, so you're not going to play for the team this year, which is kind of caught my eye, which is a little bit different than, you know, normally you see, uh, you know, juniors coming in, um, you know, I'm sorry, incoming freshmen coming in, and they they take a redshirt year for, you know, kind of getting a a good head start in their academics, or maybe the lineup is just going to be a little bit too strong. Um, That wasn't the case for you, but so you're taking a redshirt year. You're not going to, you're going to keep playing golf, but not play competitively for the team. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, this year I kind of took a redshirt year because um, academics are, like, really, really important in my family. And um, I looked and I saw that I was behind the halfway mark in credits. Sure. And I knew that if I were to keep playing, my my eligibility would run out and I wouldn't graduate. And I wanted to line that up where if – my eligibility ran out, I would also graduate. So that's basically why I'm taking a retro year. Cause I don't want to, once I turn pro, that's all I want to focus on. Yeah. And I want to be a hundred percent in that instead of coming back to school later on after I'm after pro, you know? Yeah. And that makes total sense. You don't want four, six, eight, whatever it is, credits hanging over your head. And then you're, I'm guessing that's something that would kind of be a nagging feeling knowing that, okay, I, I spent all this time at BYU and I, I don't have a degree. So, um, no, that makes, it makes perfect sense. And also I'm guessing you're going to be able to work on your game and you're still going to hit balls. You're still going to play with the team. You're still going to probably play the odd amateur tournament here and there. I would imagine. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll be like, a, like I'm playing in the South beach and Jones cup. So I'm playing my own individual stuff and I'll be practicing, um, while the team's out playing, it's just preparing for the summer. And then um, I'll be right back playing with the team next fall. That's nice. That's pretty cool. That's uh, that's great. I mean, I know student athlete, that's, you know, the student stuff uh, comes first. So that's uh, that's great. Well, your summer, let's talk about this, this breakout summer really that you had, uh, you know, highlighted by your win at the Pacific Coast Amateur Championship. It was at Capilano. I, I was I tell you, I, I was at every single elite amateur event except for that one. I had a schedule conflict where I couldn't get out there to to British Columbia, but I knew as soon as I saw the pictures, I was actually putting it off as long as possible. I'm like, I'm not going to look at what's going on out there. 
And I know I'm going to feel this like serious case of FOMO, but it looks so beautiful out there at Capilano. I mean, was it as good as it looked uh, on, on social media? Oh yeah. It was, it was actually really cool. I mean, the first day, the practice round, so there were no, there was no media coverage of the practice round, but it was pouring. Okay. It was more rain. Like we were drenched after the practice, <laughs> but then it cleared up and that last, uh, during the tournament days. So it ended up being really, really nice, but it was, it was soft. I mean, the greens are soft out there, which makes the course easier in some cases, you know? So, and it was just, it was so green. Just, it was actually really beautiful. Yeah. I, I, it's one, that's one of the things, first things I noticed about that, just seeing how absolutely just lush everything looked. Um, now I want to ask you, you played the transmiss a couple weeks before the pack coast, uh, 72, 75 missed the cut. And then you go on to your next tournament and you win with a final round 62. We will talk about that 62 in a second, but I always like seeing how, um, you know, players progress when they play multiple weeks in a row. And I think you ended up playing like four out of five weeks. Um, and I think the start was transmiss. So I have to ask, you know, did anything drastically change? Did you go work with Boyd in between transmiss and pack coast or do you remember if there's anything out of the ordinary that kind of clicked for you before heading to uh, heading to Capilano? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say like I felt like my game was in a place during the transmiss where it was okay. Like I, my score didn't reflect on how I played. I felt like, mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't really. It was just more like okay, I'm gonna go home. I knew some of the things I need to work on, which was in this case putting. So I really wanted to dial in my putting for the next tournament. And um, so I went to the uh, Pacific Coast Dam after, and I felt like my everything was feeling really dialed about my game because I worked on my putting, and I felt really, really good about my putting. And my hitting felt the exact same as the transmiss. It just some, some putts fell during yeah. the back coast. And that's kind of what led to that transition from transmiss to the pet coast. Now it's funny. You mentioned, you know, when you're starting the game, your dad gave you a target of breaking 90 and you'll get, you know, new sticks. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, you shot 60 pair of 69s in the opening two rounds of pet coast, then shot 67 round three. Uh, you know, most players, whether it's someone trying to break 80 for the first time or 90 or a hundred or whatever, um, when you get a hot round starting, there's always that tendency of, of kind of slowing down. You're like, okay, I'm at four under. I've never been here before. I've been at five under. I've never shot 67. And then the 67 becomes the target. And more often than not, you lose ground because you're, you're not chasing. You're, you're trying to hold your position. So to go shoot 62, I know you were five shots back and, you know, you were, or five groups back, I think. And, likelihood of victory is probably not something you were thinking about maybe first and foremost on the, on the first tee in that fourth round. But when you start getting that round going and you see where things are are headed, when you're going really low, what's your mental approach to kind of keep chasing as opposed to saying, all right, you know, this is a really good round. Let's not blow it. Yeah. I would say I just, I really keep a positive mindset when that happens. So when I'm, when I'm in the, when I'm feeling good, when I'm on a roll, I, I honestly, my mind does not think negative at all. So like, I don't really think, Oh, don't blow it. Don't like, I don't use those negative words Okay. for case. So I'll always, okay, let's keep it going. 
like you got like you got this like really positive things and honestly like I just kept hitting good shots during that day. Like I felt really good and I was really confident. And I think that confidence just kept raising as the round went on. Um, because on, I didn't really, I didn't start great during that round. I mean, first three holes are pretty gettable and I was even after the first three. And then I kind of, I think I ended up shooting. I was like three under on my last four holes on the front nine. So that's kind of what built up my round. And then I carried it on to the back nine. So you're just um, kind of thinking of like, all right, let's just get one more. And then when you get one more, you're like, all right, let's just get one more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you, you pick up that win that catapults you. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I remembered reading your, your post round interview where you just didn't have a lot of putts drop in the first three and then just everything dropped, uh, for you in that final round. You go then to immediately try and Monday qualify into your, your home state, uh, corn Ferry tour event. you get into that and, you finished that tournament at 17 under par. You, uh, you know, tie for 12th, finding great success in Corn Ferry. That had, I mean, this had to be just two or three weeks of just a real big breakthrough for you. Talk to me about getting the exemption and going into playing Pinnacle Bank. So you, you really you ball out in Utah in, in front of home crowd, and then you get another exemption <clears throat> to keep it going and playing uh, another Corn Ferry Tour event. This one, you didn't have the same results, but you get this different kind of experience of not just, okay, I'm an amateur and I get to play a pro tournament, but you get to go back to back and kind of see what that pro life is about. What were maybe your takeaways after, after Omaha? Yeah, I would just say like my biggest takeaway is probably realizing how hard people work, I guess, because you would, you would see people on the range way before the practice round tea time or they stay after their rounds work on things they'd be there until the range closes like that that was probably the biggest thing that i took away because normally when i'm at a when i was at a golf course i would once my rounds finish okay i work for an hour i'll get out of here get go get food but people would stay there and just stay there and just keep working on their swing <laughs> obviously you need breaks in between and you need to rest up for the next day but that's why like those guys kept going and they kept going. And obviously like that was probably my biggest takeaway, just seeing how hard everyone works on tour because they're trying to get their card, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It had to be a different experience for you. Cause you know, you're obviously you're, you're, you want to be at that level at some day you want to turn professional, but you can go in there playing these tournaments. Hey, if I play well, great. If I miss the cut, it, you know, it's a learning experience. You don't need to pay bills based on what you're doing on the golf course in a corn ferry tour event. Yeah, exactly. I I was there a lot for the experience, and I, I mean, obviously, I wanted to play to the best I could. Like, in, sure. And I played, I played really, really well. Pinnacle, I didn't play as great, but I think both both of those tournaments gave me really, really good experience and really good exposure to the tour life or pro life. Did anything kind of stand out and surprise you, other than just how hard everyone's working? Because again, like you know, every amateur wants to, you know, play professional golf and they want to be on tour, but there's also a lot of things that, as I think everyone's seeing when they, people see PJ tour and live dominate the headlines and, you know, the, the, the path is there, but it seems like it's getting harder and harder every year to actually get to that level where, you know, you're, you're playing on TV every week and, uh, 
you know, you're you're flying those private jets and doing all that stuff. I mean, it seems like that that journey is getting longer and longer and more complicated. Did you kind of see anything like that on maybe just by watching professionals up close? I wouldn't say I like what well, I saw like all the like I wasn't really paying attention to like the media coverage okay. or all any of that any of those things. I was more just kind of there just to prepare for what I need to do and um, what I need to try and make the cut at least and um, what I wanted to get out of the week, I guess. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, you got you got time before you have to worry about all that stuff. I, I, I'm i pretty lucky that I get to focus on amateur and college golf because when I do see the things crop up about the pro-life, I'm just like, oh, that seems like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just seems like a lot right now. Yeah. You got South Beach you're playing in. You got Jones Cup you're going to play in. Uh, what else do you have kind of set up? I mean, I know you're hitting the books pretty hard. Um, do you have anything else kind of on the horizon for, for 2024? I guess that's a better question right there. How, how do you set goals for 2024 when you're not playing a, a college golf schedule? Yeah, I mean, I just right now I'm going to put – so I'm playing in the South Beach. I'll play in Jones Cup. And then I'll play in some local events in Utah just to kind of keep my game – in tournament mode and um, prepare for the big amateur series and the, the elite amateur series in the, in the summers. Nice. But once that, once the elite amateur series, I'll play, I'll play in about, I want to say I'll play probably four of those events. Okay. Uh, and I'll just keep trying to work my game and get ready for those events. You're probably going to have some time to perhaps, you know, do you, do you try and tag along at some high school practices at Skyline or Olympus, or do you kind of let your brothers handle that by themselves? You don't want to go show them up at a high school practice, do you? No, yeah, I let them do their thing. You uh-huh. know, just yeah, they they they'll do their thing, and I'll do my thing. So. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. What's the <laughs> what's the best? Uh, what would be the most the, the fairest game for the three of you right now? You guys go play some golf. What's the, the the most competitive and I guess the the fairest game for the three of you? Because I'm I'm guessing that you, well, I'm I'm guessing you have have a little bit of advantage over them just from size, distance, and experience. But I'm sure they can play as well. Yeah, uh, I would say the first game would probably be wedges, just kind of just distance on wedges from like 80 yards and in, like 40 to. 80 yards 40 to 100 yards or like up and downs up okay. and down game short game short game competitions things because when we get on the course i mean if we play the same tees especially i'm i'm like 50 past the 50 past them so wow um, yeah it's probably not as competitive as it is like when we play little short game matches have they ever beaten you in, a, in an 18 hole round of golf uh my remember this remember this is this is being recorded now people all over the world are going to hear this (laughs) the middle one has i mean i'll have to give it to him he has beat me but the youngest one he he hasn't beaten me yet so well we don't know when that day is going to come but he wants it to come really soon and i'm sorry the middle one is is he's jackson he's at scott Jackson's at Skyline. Austin is the youngest at Olympus. So Jackson has beaten you. Austin hasn't. And uh, yeah. but, but you know it's just a matter of time, right? Yeah, it's just a matter of time. Right. He'll, he'll get his time. 
Okay, just not yet. I understand. I see what's happening here. Um, all right. Well, Tyson, I appreciate you joining me here for uh, for a few moments to talk about your summer and your your journey uh, at uh, at BYU. And uh, yeah, safe travels down here to South Florida. I'll do my best to uh, get some good weather arranged for you. And uh, yeah, after the holidays, uh, we'll be seeing each other at Jones Cup. So uh, enjoy the time with your family. Uh, play well these next two tournaments. And uh, appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I mean, I really appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Tyson Shelley for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.